High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumberers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. And your assignment today was to watch 2020's Boys State. But before we chat all about that, we have some other homework to discuss. Absolutely. Have you subscribed yet? Please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening right now, whether it be Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher any of the others subscribe please and of course class participation always a huge part of your grade follow high school slumber party on facebook instagram and twitter instagram that's been a <laughs> a popular topic recently on high school slumber party ap Iceland, how are you enjoying your newfound experience on instagram well i mean it certainly helped a lot when um you and um, Jenny shared some important information about where to find who was waiting for me to confirm things. So I know <laughs> I know how to do that now. I still don't entirely know how to interact with things beyond liking something. So I get notifications that you like High School Summer Party has mentioned me, but I don't know what to do with that. Like I don't know how to engage in the same way with Twitter. I can you know, say retweet or retweet with quote. And like, I get that, but the process eludes me. And I, granted, I haven't looked that hard, but <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know intuitively how to do it. And so I haven't done it yet. There really is no retweeting in Instagram. You kind of just like it or comment. The only thing you can like retweet for lack of a better word is the stories. Okay. Like I'm not a hardcore Instagrammer. I don't really use my personal Instagram. I just do it for high school slumber party. But people who love the Instagram, wow, we, we sound like very, very Yeah, we're old out of touch old people here. But people who love the Instagram love it for just cycling through the stories and that, that's the stuff that goes away. I use it from time to time and that's something that you could re repost to your story. However, I laugh because uh the Cage Club Podcast Network Godfather sent me an article saying that Instagram is changing all that and adding all these new features. And I, I sent it to you as well. It's like, okay, so back to the drawing board for all of us anyway. So exactly. I came on just in time <laughs> to learn the new things without any habits already formed. So my master plan is really coming together. And there's been a, a lot of rumors that the wonderful, wonderful, good human beings at Facebook which again, I say sarcastically, will be merging Facebook and Instagram in some sort of way. They're renaming Facebook. I don't know. We'll all just have to catch up and 
be the older, out-of-touch people. Like, wait, what? We'll be asking the younger folks is my point. I think both you and I. Absolutely. Can't we just let Facebook die all on MySpace? <laughs> They're refusing to die, unfortunately. But hey, look, if you're a slumber who follows us on Facebook, that's not a diss to you. I love my Facebook friends. But yeah, yeah, they, they, they've got a lot of problems. But yeah, just wanted to bring that up because uh, the the internet is in flux as always. As always. <laughs> oh, and I did want to ask too, we released both The Craft episode on High School Slumber Party OG feed, and then, of course, our Craft Legacy episode for the spooky Halloween month that was. Uh, any any early feedback? Yeah, absolutely. There were a couple of folks that really enjoyed, I think, our, like, at least some of our take on The Craft and sort of the, you know, Justice for Rachel True stance that we took. And then... A couple of those same people didn't realize that their that craft legacy was existed. Wow! And so, at least in in my little circle, we raised some awareness. So <laughs> that's good. And honestly, with distance from it, like watching the posts go by of craft legacy, I think I have kind of fonder feelings for it with some distance. That makes sense. I thought I felt that way, and then I saw it again. Maybe mm. maybe it's not good to see back to back with the craft, ironically. Mm. But I'm with you. Like doing those posts, it's a beautiful looking movie. Like, and maybe beautiful is like too easy. I like the way it looks. I'll just put it that. Yeah, no, it looks great, and I think the the young cast is fantastic, and I liked their style kind of point of view. So so yeah, it's been fun to watch it while scrolling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've gotten some really positive feedback about both those episodes as well. Some people have reached out to High School Slumber Party social media to say that they remember seeing the craft in theaters, which is really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that that's always awesome to hear. So keep participating, Slumberers, because I love to hear it, and I know you do too, Iceland. So yeah, that was a cool one. I'm, I'm really happy that we did those two back-to-back, and we thank Jenny again for being on the regular, Jenny O'Connell for being on the, the craft episode. And the craft legacy. I don't. Maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll independently revisit it another time, and we'll like it more. That's the weird thing about podcasting. Sometimes, because we're having this conversation, we overanalyze, and some of the movies are just not made for that. Sure. Speaking of which, <laughs> so so Heisland, did you do your homework? Did you subject yourself to the kissing booth yet? I did. You did. Oh my did. goodness! I'm I'm actually surprised you you got yourself through it. You squeezed it in. Hey, maybe you enjoyed it. Maybe I'm just assuming you didn't. I did my homework on time. Well, gosh, here's the thing. I think for me, the kissing booth is what I was worried streaming content would be when I first heard that like Netflix was making movies, and and so what I mean by that is it seemed very reminiscent of of other things but of a like clearly like a different caliber like clearly a more straight video or more movie of the week kind of kind of thing and i know that there is amazing content coming out of all like a lot of the streaming services but when do you know what i mean when i say that like when i first when hulu was first doing original things i was like what on earth does hulu have to say but then you know there's some great stuff that's come out of that. So I felt like it was like teen movie zero, like Coke zero, where it's like, it has some of the same ingredients and some of the same taste, 
but put next to something else, you can absolutely tell the difference. For sure. And I know exactly what you're saying. You and I grew up in an era when like a TV movie was considered certainly less than a movie in the theater. And the, the lines have blurred, but the kissing booth de- definitely though, the kissing booth has a quality about it. Well, to most sane people. However, the kissing booth is still one of Netflix's most popular properties of all time. An article just came out two days ago that said it's the third or fourth most streamed thing ever on Netflix. Like it was so popular and I still can't wrap my head around it. I've covered all three films on high school slumber party. It's been torturous at times. I'm sure you didn't pay attention to the level. I'm not sorry. I'm not, I don't want to like assume, but I can't imagine you paid attention to the level that I feel like I had to just to talk for an hour or so about it. Sure. That I think <laughs> that is safe to say for sure. And and I do want to say I don't I don't blame I don't blame the actors involved. I think Joey King is, is great and we've seen that in other projects. You know, if I were a young actor that was offered the lead in a potential Netflix franchise, I would say absolutely. Are you kidding? And it's kind of unfortunate that it's this when we've seen her do, you know, high quality things as well. But I don't, I don't sort of blame her for saying, yes, I want to head up this franchise or agreeing to or what have you. And I love seeing Molly Ringwald as an adult. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just grand and delightful. So yeah, I mean, there were moments that resonated and then lots that didn't and and just the concept of a kissing booth itself. <laughs> I mean, obviously right now in a, in a, I don't know, hopefully twilight of the pandemic times, it's just, that is kind of gross and scary. Um, but even before then, that it just seems like if, if let's say, you know, they went through the procedures and, and, you know, put in their paperwork for this event, <laughs> it seems like it would get vetoed before it, you know, got off the ground, but I, w- I wasn't in charge. It's a recipe for disaster, let's be honest. Uh, like, yeah. on so many levels. Joey King, you mentioned, I love Joey King. I think she has, and people have criticized me for saying this, but I think she has Julia Roberts' potential. I think she has an awesome oh. career now and ahead of her, and I think she has that kind of versatility. So mm-hmm. it is nothing against Joey King. Uh, the dude, Jacob Ellerty. Yeah. Not the biggest fan. He's not apparently the best human being in the world in real life. That's too bad. They dated, but also the character, if you really pay attention, is a really toxic dude. Yeah, there was there was a lot of kind of essentialist and I don't know, not I don't want to say backwards, but like it felt like they were playing in a gender world mm-hmm. that is previous yeah that's something that uh me and my guest shawnee mead said a lot like it did not feel like a movie that came out in 2017 2018 whenever it came out it felt like something that came out 10 15 years before that in terms of like their certain sensibilities and things and i don't so the later movies will go on to correct this a little i'm not saying that they're better but there was a little bit of an awareness of like whoa we kind of (laughs) got away with that so this one I know is based on YA literature. Yes. Are the other two from also books or are they their own thing? I mean, is it like, you know, Game of Thrones style where it started with the books and then surpassed the original content? As my understanding, I'm not an expert. It's something in between the two of those things. So with uh, To All the Boys, all three books were written before the films came out. 
the the original book was written by Beth Reekles for the Kissing Booth. Um, she was a young woman at the time. I believe she was a teenager or close to it when she wrote the first book, which, you know, more power to her. I never want to sit here really? and criticize that. And, and also, some of this stuff to me works better as a YA book with that intended yeah. audience than a film. So just, just putting that Absolutely. out there. I'm not sure about the second one, but I know the third one. Netflix is pretty much like, hey... Beth, here's the script. This is what we're doing. Write the book. And she was like, okay. Well, why wouldn't she anyway? Because she made so much money or whatever off the first one that maybe it was part of the deal, whatever. So the third Kissing Booth book, I know for a... The second one might be the same case as well. But I know for a fact that the third one was a back... I don't know what you call that. Yeah, I mean, that's so tough. So that, you know, that's also the case with, my understanding, with a Divergent series. Oh, The first book sold and like was in development before the trilogy was finished interesting and and i think that's can be a a problem and and like a detriment to both like if you're rushing the story because there's pressure to get it out that can be problematic and then yeah the the subsequent adaptations then also suffer and again i'm not yeah i'm not an expert on that i don't know for sure i remember reading about it that Mm. the that's that it wasn't finished when it was developed or in development. Well, Aislinn, uh, with the two all the boys, I assigned you the trilogy in order. I am not a bad person. I will not do that to you. You've worked too hard in your life to, you. to, to watch these movies back to back to back, even if it's in a three-month span. So don't worry. It'll be a different movie. We'll spread these out. Uh, maybe eventually we'll get to all three, but it's important to watch, especially after the two, two All the Boys, because these were kind of two dueling series. And sure. I think The Kissing Booth was a little bit more popular, believe it or not. But critically and amongst the adults, uh, right. To All the Boys definitely took it. And, and as a package, right? Mm-hmm. Like so the, To All the Boys as a, as a trilogy probably stands up better than the trilogy of the other. Oh, yeah, I would say for sure. And speaking of To All the Boys, there was some big news announced yesterday, actually, with To All the Boys, that we are actually getting a To All the Boys spinoff series uh, that surrounds Kitty, the youngest daughter. Oh, fun! Yeah, I'm actually intrigued by that. We don't really cover series here because we've been really doing this show forever. But I'll definitely check in on that one because Kitty was such a fun character. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Same actor, same team involved, apparently. So, so looking forward to that one. So I'm glad you brought up uh, that movie as well. The the more positive side uh, side of the Netflix YA coin, if you will. Totally. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk Boy State. And just a reminder out there: if you did not do your homework, Boy State is a documentary, right? It's not a feature film. We've covered one documentary here before. Uh, what was it, Kid 90? This is a very different style documentary that was just like more of a found footage thing. So we'll talk about it, but the, the conversation is going to be a little bit different, obviously, because of that. So, Aislinn, uh, why don't you tell these slumberers where they could find Boys State if they didn't do their homework, theoretically, and uh, if you could read the description from that location. Absolutely. So the place that I found it, um, and the only place that I can see it being, but I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not an expert on that, um, is uh, Apple TV. Yeah, it's an exclusive Apple TV property at this point. Exclusively at Apple TV, 2020, as you said. And here is the description according to Apple TV. This raucous journey into the heart of democracy captures an unusual rite of passage. 
1,100 teenage boys from across Texas coming together to build a representative government from the ground up. Winner of the Sundance Grand Jury Prize. That is surprising to Aislinn. Aislinn, off the bat, this was one of the most revered documentaries of 2020. People loved this documentary. So we're going to have an interesting... I have, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. no, I think it won an Emmy as well. This was a documentary that really hit home with a lot of people. Happy to talk about it. Wanted to do it around November because it's traditionally election time, right? The political time of the year, if you will. You clearly have thoughts. So before we get into really the movie. So I I watched this on my rewatch, my famous rewatch. I had no idea that Boy State even existed. Apparently it does in my uh, state of youth, New Jersey, because at the beginning they show a bunch of people go. Cory Booker was one who went. Cory Booker and I attended the same high school, not at the same time. So clearly it was around. I just wasn't aware of it. I don't have any background in boys' state or girls' state. I went to college and got a government and politics degree where I realized I hated this kind of stuff. I hated the politics of politics, you know? I liked more of the government and, you know, the helping people and that kind of thing. But once I saw my colleagues sort of behave like this, I I really got disgusted by it. And also, I just did not want in any any capacity, despite me having a podcast now, uh, but my life be kind of broadcast publicly like that. I think I'm too weird in my personal life to ever be a politician. And whatever, I'm not criticizing myself for being weird. I'm, I'm happy with that. But I have a very, very love-hate relationship with the political side of politics, if you will. So now that that is out of the way, Aislinn, I know you have an interesting history with Boy State, Girl State. So please, please, please let me know about it. Well, so in some ways, our backgrounds are very different and in some ways, very similar. The different part of it is that I was aware of Boy State and Girl State Growing up, I did uh, attend Girls State. Amazing. Or I was, I don't even know how you say it, right? I applied and it did not look like in this. Okay. Because so to be clear, it's, so Boy State is run by the American Legion and Girls State is run by American Legion Auxiliary. So it's the women's, women's version and not all, I don't want, I, I apologize to folks if I get this wrong. My remembrance is that it's it's not all female veterans, but also like female wives of veterans. Oh, okay. But, you know, so there's a similar kind of pool, but also different. Um, not only did I go to Girl State, <laughs> I came back and I was a Girl State counselor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I earned $100 and endured one of the worst weeks of my life. Oh, my goodness. Because of some of my co-counselors. many of whom were much, much older than me, as one might imagine. And yeah, so I have, I have a wealth of experience (laughs) with this program as it exists in Montana and the female version, of course. So I can't speak to how Texas does things. Can anyone? (laughs) But the second part was similar, right? I went to college knowing that I was going to major in political science and knowing that I was going to go to law school. And, and I did major in political science. It's just that I ended up double majoring because I took political science classes because I had to, and I started taking sociology classes because I mm. loved them. And suddenly 
I was in sort of upper division classes of both and I hated all my poli-sci classes and I loved all my social classes. Oh, wow. So I also had visions of something political adjacent and that that was the route to help people and to change the world. And I learned that that was not my route to do that. And my route was different. So, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm also much too weird to be a public speaker. <laughs> Amen to that. So I do have some questions. Yeah. Um, what were the differences between what we see in this film and what you experienced? Because again, I, this, yeah, absolutely. this is not a big deal where I grew up. So, so I, I don't know. Ours was much smaller because it was Montana. So my guess would be five or 600 students. Okay. But I don't know that for sure. And then ours, so based on this film, it appeared that the parties made up their platforms themselves Mm -hmm. and ours was more guided. So there were two parties. I don't remember if they were named the same things, but I remember them being on blue paper or yellow paper. paper. Some is called blue and yellow. And they had general like tenants that let's be honest, were clearly like masked versions of Republican and Democrat. So okay. like, st- you know, small government sort of states, right. Versus federal, you know, um, various sort of things, industry versus environment, like things like that. And we got to pick, so you didn't get to pick what city you were from. That was the wing of the dorm in which you lived for the week. So I was from Crystal City, but you got to pick if you were blue or yellow. Oh, that's and cool. Also keep in mind, I came out of the Missoula section. So that that is the liberal corner of Montana. So I would guess it's like the Austin representatives at Boy State, Texas. And so I knew that by joining the yellow party, I would be in the minority for the state because the state as a whole is conservative, but I aligned more with the yellow. One of my friends who is much more liberal than I am, which hard to do, but, <laughs> um, and certainly at the time was much more living out that ethos, if you will, Fair didn't enough. read the platforms, just picked <laughs> randomly. So this like super, and she it was actually from the East Coast, like East Coast more growing up in a more, you know, kind of fast paced environment was very open to drugs, was very (laughs) open to LGBTQ, open to all, all the things that make the world a fun place was in this room, like for those party meetings in this room with the most conservative young women (laughs) in Montana. So that was, that was lots of fun. Um, and then as a counselor, I don't think we had to, we certainly didn't have to share we were encouraged to share things about the process and like about our experience but we didn't we didn't have to pick a party then and i had one of the biggest wings of young women and for part of the week i was on my own and most cities had two counselors that's interesting and so it was a lot of herding cats and and i did it with as much fun as i could for example one night when we were waiting for polls to come back we had a hairy leg contest Ooh. To see who hadn't shaved in the longest amount of time. <laughs> that's fun. Um, so that's that's the kind of thing that I brought to Girl State. Oh, I also, it was not an interview process in the same way. Um, it was an application process. Okay. Okay. But still fascinating to me. Fascinating. As much as the walking in this movie annoyed me, <laughs> that is a lot of it. You're like, on a campus, 
you're walking back and forth. They did not supply us with a shirt for every day. Ooh. There was one shirt we were all supposed to wear one day for a picture. And the rest of the time we dressed as ourselves, but my mom thought it was supposed to be like more business casual, like upscale, which I of course got in trouble for And mom, if you're listening to this, I borrowed Rachel's pants because <laughs> they were much cooler than mine for most of the days I was there. Oh yeah. So, and, and the, all the flag stuff and the marching band kind of stuff, that was all true. So we, we had to learn how to do color guard while we were there and then had gotcha. to do it. And some of those older ladies would get very upset if we did it wrong. Oh my so goodness. That was the scariest part when I was in it. And when I was a counselor was <laughs> my like flight core day. I mean, that's so fascinating to me. This is such a different world to me. I think we're gonna have very different grades on this movie. I texted you earlier, like, about just my anxiety watching this film. And then, and then again, you mentioned the, the walking shots. And after you said that, I'm like, oh, God damn it, you're right. Not, <laughs> then, not good. So, yeah. And this is where, like, my, while I was, I was, my mind was blown just then about the Sundance thing. Because from my perspective, knowing that this was a thing. And so I think that's part of it. I think people who didn't know this existed were fascinated by the topic. Knowing it existed, I found both the filmmaking and like the content lacked charm. Oh yeah, and I definitely get that. I was just gonna say that too because okay. like I I'm coming from this from a this is like an alien world to me. I like this movie, and I, I'm using like air quotes mm -hmm. because it scares the hell out of me. Right. This is a horror film to me. Yes. This is something that I was like, oh yeah. That's why I didn't want to watch it again before, because I thought about these characters and how they're shaping. And, I, and we say characters; these are real people, and that's scarier. And, uh, shaping how these teenagers, yeah. yeah, how these teenagers are shaping the future, and that and this is like they're real people. This kept me up at night the first time, and this might keep me up <laughs> this time too. It, it scares the hell out of me, and I and I'm not a big horror person. I know you're not a big horror person. I've gotten more into horror through this podcast. I see why people like horror when I watch stuff like this, because I'm like, oh, there's something that it taps into me that's very weird and alien that I don't like, but there's a yeah. part of me that's seeking more of it as well. And yeah. it's like, it's an awkward feeling. And it's like, oh, that must be what people see when they see someone's head get sawn off in a movie or something. I don't know. That's an interesting analogy. I hadn't thought about it that way. I thought about it in again, more in like the social science way of like Stanford prison experiment kind of mm. thing. This is an example of what happens when you take someone out of their regular environment. And then there is a, like a total institution. It's all boys state all day long. And kind of what comes out of us in those circumstances where all of our comforts are all of kind of the things that are familiar to us are gone. And yeah, absolutely. When anytime the whole room started chanting something, I was, and how quickly that happened every time. Yes, that was frightening, but I could also see it in other rooms with other people. Like, I don't think it's all down to the politics. I don't think it's all down to the era. I think the, while the content might've been very different to do like 1988 boy state, some of that humanity aspect of it, and the scary parts of humanity, I think, would be similar. Yeah, yeah. I I'm with you with that, for sure. Um, let's talk about some of the happening in the movie and just 
how they made us feel and such. Oh, God. You know, these are real people, so I'm reluctant to say cast, but the main people we feature in this movie are um, Stephen Garza, who's sort of like our lead, right? And Stephen comes from, I believe, Houston. Um, you know, I've done a little bit more background research on him. I mean, he, it's it's mentioned in the film as well. Inner City Kid, a son of immigrants, or his mother, he mentions, came here illegally, worked super hard. Maybe to, not to everybody, but certainly to me, he was the hero. I was uh, just going to say, of he, was one of, yeah. he was one of the two heroes, I think, for sure. He really stands up for what he believes in. He acknowledges he's a, not just ethnically, he's a Latin kid, um, but he's also a political minority in this boy's state, which... Something you kind of hit on, and I think that maybe someone who isn't aware of the nuances might get confused here. While Texas is a very conservative state, they have a large, an incredibly large population of liberal people because of just the size of it. However, and correct me if I'm wrong, Island, I'm just kind of guessing yeah, here. American Legion, they're going to have their own biases. So when they select these people, I don't truly believe that's a proper cross-section of the kids. Am I right with that? Absolutely. That's a great point. So we see, and, and I was glad that this was included. And, and I, I can respect the like hands-off approach of the filmmakers, but so we see like the American Legion doing interviews to see who gets to go. Mm-hmm. And all the interviews we see that I remember are very look like the pictures of the baby politicians they show in the credits. Like it looks, they look like political ads. They look like your next Senator. Yeah. And I think we all know what I'm saying when I say that, but (laughs) so the selection process skews American Legion for sure. And then who's told who is aware of boy state happening are like the people connected to American Legion who, whose government teacher told them about it. I mean, there are a lot of factors. For instance, you said you weren't, you weren't even aware of it. And you were a person who at that time was interested. So, you know, there are a lot of kind of selection biases to use a word that's thrown around a lot near the end of the film. And what was similar to my experience to the end of this movie is that there are people that go in there ready. This is what they've been waiting for. They've been groomed to do this. They're excited. They want to run the table. And there are people that are there because they didn't want to go to high school for a week. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, and, and everyone in between and that people can get real stirred up and fired up during it. And then also when you remember, this is just a Wednesday, this is not real. It's a lot easier to relax and have a hairy leg contest, for example. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really, really good point. I think we're going to talk, obviously we're going to talk about these kids and we're going to talk about some of the things that happened here. Something I had to remind myself a lot of as well was who I even was at this age the crap I probably said, and politics or not politics, the opinions that have changed in me now. So even though some of these kids are saying and doing certain things, I have to give some of them the benefit of the doubt that if they do become leaders of America, that they'll be a little bit more pragmatic. I hope. I hope. I'm just trying to be optimistic. I grew up in New Jersey, uh, in a pretty liberal town, in a very liberal state and I'm not going to say I was conservative growing up. I, I certainly wasn't. But I was a bit of a contrarian. So I did not want to buy into the mainstream party thinking of where I grew up. I considered myself an independent. 
I still do, but I certainly wasn't like buying in that way. And I'm sure there were things I said back then that were just being contrarian that I would cringe at now, if if that makes sense. So I imagine people, like especially kids who are just living their lives and stuff, are having similar opinions. A lot sheep is a bad word, kind of, but a lot of the kids seem to maybe parrot either things that they probably heard from their parents or just again mob mentality. So that that kind of helped me a little bit on this watch as well. Like like Brian, these are not these are not actually senators. You know what no. I mean? <laughs> yeah, and the again the atmosphere. And they showed a little bit of it, but some of the the various like speeches. And the cool thing about it is that at least in Montana, state office holders of a variety of levels would come and speak to us as a whole group. So part of it was the campaigning and all that. And part of it was having people who do those jobs come and talk about it. So even up to the governor came and, and spoke to us. Again, it was a small state. And that was interesting to me. And to see, you know, talked to the real people doing the thing and to tour the Capitol, although I don't know about you, but as an achieving young person, I have toured Montana's Capitol probably a dozen times. I even (laughs) gave a tour of it to a college friend uh, when I was in grad school. So, you know, like, but there were some kind of educational moments that were really fun, despite all the mob mentality stuff. Yeah. You do mention mob mentality, though. One of the things that was scarier to me on this watch, and we'll get back into the characters, quote unquote, was I paid attention a lot more to the beginning part where there were, uh, there was like that man and he was educating the kids on the difference between like 1984 and Brave New World. Jeez, uh, oh, yeah. And, and then that stuff. And then, and this is like pre the last election we had here at last uh, presidential election in this country so i think it's even gotten worse when this documentary came out but uh, tying it into the whole idea of the internet being sort of a mob mentality and stuff that's what freaked me the fuck out this time i'm just not gonna lie i was like oh 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 i had reactions so i'm glad i'm glad you brought up the mob thing because it's like you could also view this movie as a microcosm of the Twitterverse, if you will, and stuff like that. And if you see it like that, that's a lot scarier. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention that. Um, we briefly talked to Stephen. We'll get into him more, of course. He's running for governor of Texas. So wait, did you guys have elections like this? Oh, yes. Yes. Again, we can go, you know, as deeper as shallow as you want. This seemed a little bit different that, like, from moment one, they were getting signatures to be governor. I, that is not how I recall it. I recall that the first day was all local. And so like, if you wanted to be governor, you had to start with trying to be mayor. Oh, interesting. And like work up. And so for instance, I wanted a city election. And then I believe I went to the legislative side, which is not covered as much here, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But similar to the movie, there was um, someone from my city who was Run, who ended up running, being one of the two kind of runoff for governor. And I watched her speech evolve, right? Because I saw it in the city version and then I saw it in the next, in the primaries and I saw it. And so, you know, I, I watched her use this, like the same pop culture examples in, in a way that then kind of felt similar to this, where like, I don't know, there were people feeding each other zingers and stuff. Although we... <laughs> thankfully did not have the social media piece you know you you mentioned the internet for this that was not a part of my experience of course but 
Yes, definitely those that highest office or those highest offices did have the more long term like obligations and opportunities. And the the girl state winner from the previous year, I forget what had happened. I think it was like her because it's at your junior year that you do it. So the next year, the young woman who had won the previous year is one of the people who speaks. And it was she was speaking like the day after graduation, her graduation from a small town. I don't want to say she was hungover because I don't <laughs> want to assume that, but she clearly hadn't slept. And she's standing in front of this auditorium of the oh. next year being like, yeah, so last year, God, what happened? <laughs> she just like couldn't keep it together. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah, there were some, there were definitely some coveted offices and I'm more of a, of a whip than a candidate anyway. And so I had sort of pivoted partway through the week. Oh yeah. If I had to participate in this, I would definitely not run for office. I, in high school, won a position called publicity chair for my sophomore class. And that was only because it was running uncontested and I knew it could beat the guy. And I'm like, yeah, I might as well. Because I was running my friend's campaign for president. I, I'm very much, well, this makes me sound evil, but I'm very much, if I was going to play the political game, the power broker type, the behind the scenes type. But And we see some of those here, don't we? Yes, we absolutely do. So there are two parties here, right? And so Stephen Garza's and the Nationalists. And the Nationalists are led by, or the, what is it called? The party chairman? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and their party chairman is someone I really enjoyed, uh, Rene Ortero. Um, what do you think of Rene in this film? I loved Rene. I feel like I know Rene. <laughs> I've known Rene's in my life. And I guess... Before we get too far into it, again, so this is the the style of this is very hands off. There are a few, what do you call them, talking head kind of interviews that are clearly after the fact. Well, not I shouldn't say that. At least I think the majority of them after the fact with some of those those featured players. But for the most part, we're just watching these young people do do this social experiment. There don't seem to be like questions and answers from the filmmaker or things that way. It would have been really difficult for me as an as a filmmaker not to intervene at some point. I think Renee was targeted from the beginning. For sure. By a lot of people, but a lot of leadership in the other party, for example. And I believe it I believe the the film shows us that he is targeted in in part because he's not white. And it would have been hard for me not to address that in some way. And so I think that's also part of what's maybe frustrates me about the movie and it's not the filmmaker's fault for me it's like the leaders of the organization's fault you all let this go and go and continue until there are racist memes being passed around and of course the nationalist party disavowed their connection with this and blah 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 but it's like yeah but you it wouldn't have happened if those initial like kind of i think as we are more aware and are able to talk about more now the way that microaggressions pile up and lead to an atmosphere where someone can make a, a more aggressive attack and it be it be accepted by the by the group kind of thing. Um, so I was very angry <laughs> about the treatment of Renee to his, I don't know, he's a very strong young man and seemed to know the score and know what was going on and succeeded despite that. 
but it was that part was really upsetting to see the way that he was treated throughout the experiment for sure uh renee really impressed me with the fact that and he was able to both him and steven really in different ways were able very to, different ways were able to win uh the favor of people who at least presented to us were very different than them in their views and renee is not uh he's a young black man but not just that like he behaves very differently he speaks very differently than all these constituents almost and he just gets up there and when he's running for this position he just has such a great speech that that there was little moments of hope here where it's like oh all these people who they think that their mind's made up on something. When something great is truly presented in front of them, they, they almost have no choice but to back that person. Yeah. In the end, we see that that also can be subverted in many ways. Right before the pandemic, on my honeymoon, unfortunately it was only four days, but when, I went to South Africa. And, oh, wow. Yes, but we got kicked out. <laughs> which stuff. Right. We'll be back, we'll be back. But it was so moving to be to go to Robben Island um, Mandela's prison and to just learn about Mandela and learn about how his very own prison guards after you know once he became president he didn't do anything retaliatory to them he made you know he some of them joined his administration some of them became uh, tour guides for that museum there right like and and I just was like wow this is a special special human being and I bring up Mandela I know that's like a big comparison to Renee but uh, sometimes that we are blessed with people in this world that, and it could be in a small way, it could be in your small town, and it could be on a Mandela-like scale. You're blessed with people that you just can't help but follow because there's just something there. And again, there are negative versions of that person too. I completely acknowledge really? that. Again, seeing Renee, seeing Steven, and I'm sure, I probably sound biased political party-wise, I am sure that there are people, conservative people who... Or like that, whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> that was very motivational to me. On the other hand, I do not want to hate a teenager. I really don't. But Ben Feinstein, what he stands for is everything I hate about politics and this world. The fact that we have turned politics in this country to a sport and it's a game and, and, and you play it like a certain way. It just... Oh, again, I don't want to hate a teenager. I don't. Yeah. I really don't. But, oh, he tested me in this movie, Ben. Yeah, he was clearly super irritating. That And that, you know, where that that confidence, like he he was blessed with an extra spoonful of confidence. What I, the part, part that I liked with him in it the best was really in the early times of meeting him when he was doing some sort of stump speech for his parents at and my interpretation is that his mom was like, God, you're full of shit, but I love you because <laughs> you're my son and you're so cute. And maybe that's not, but that was my, that was my experience watching it was like, the people around him must be tired as well. Again, I also know that kid, right? I know that kid from high school. And also I know that kid from bars in my 20s. It's just like, go ahead and tell me all the things you know in the world and why it's special to you and i will sit here quietly with my phd um understanding everything you're saying <laughs> like anyway it's frustrating that he won by playing that sensationalized version now here's the thing 
we're only shown what the movie shows us and it, sure. it, it shows us that Ben used this bias issue to make it sound like the nationalists. He's a federalist, so they're okay. nationalists. Yeah, to yeah. make it sound like the nationalist side was was playing dirty and that they should rise above it or, or you know, whatever, not reward them for it. And that that is why Eddie won. Let's remember. So Eddie, the federalist candidate, won almost his entire party in the primary and represents that more conservative set of values that is likely in the majority anyway. So all I'm trying to say is I would not give Ben credit fair enough, fair enough. for winning the election. I think even if all else was equal, Eddie was likely to win based on his, you know, shtick. So that would, that's how I would, that's how I would bring Ben down a level is to be like, he would have won anyway. If Ben's listening, I'm sure he's not happy with you. No, kidding. You know what? <laughs> no, but I, that's a really, really, really good point, Iceland. Stephen Garza was an underdog from the jump. The fact that he got there, the fact that, and we'll talk about the primary, and, but you're absolutely right. Eddie, who ends up being the Federalist candidate, who we don't really know, it's clear that Eddie wasn't an original subject matter of the filmmakers, but they just picked him up because he ended up becoming that candidate, which is totally yeah. fine. And just to be clear, Ben is the... Um, campaign manager for the Federalists, as Renee is for the Nationalists. So they're kind of rivals. And they have very different approaches, but they're very similar in in certain ways in terms of... And they're, I think they're both very good at the position they were elected for, mm-hmm. um, for better for better or worse, right? Exactly. These are made-up parties. That's something I think the filmmakers do well is... Well, again, I don't know. I don't know. I have to talk to someone of a, maybe a different, different political persuasion, but at least for me... I'm definitely team nationalist, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like as much as it was hands-off, like the filmmakers, what they chose to include in the story they wove together, I think was meant to frighten us and to demonstrate some of these things of how easy it is to turn a group one way or another when you're in that group environment. Again, particularly when that is their whole world for that moment. I don't think it would have been the same. And this is why they don't do it this way if everyone went home at night and slept in their own beds with their own families, you know Mm. what I mean? This is all you're doing all the time is this it's camp. It's prison. It's boy state. (laughs) Makes sense. And we keep saying the filmmakers, so we should mention them. So Jesse Moss is credited as the director, but in a lot of places um, it's Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain, his, his partner. So we'll credit the both of them for this. Uh, I wasn't too familiar with their work previous to this, but I know they're on a lot of people's radar now for sure. uh, doing doing this uh, boy state here. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's a little touched on in the movie, but sorry if I have a lot of questions today, guys. I'm very curious about this. I, ha- I happen to have some experience <laughs> with this. There is an uncomfortable, and maybe it's just 2021, Brian, but there is an uncomfortable part of me who's like, why isn't this, as they say in the movie, people state, right? A big theme of this, not, I don't know a theme, but the big thing they talk about in this movie is kind of like masculinity and macho-ness. And a lot of the boys even talk about it, like don't take away our, our rights as men or whatever. And you went to Girl State, obviously, so it was segregated for you as well. All segregated. Yeah, I just, maybe I'm naive, but I think it would probably yield some better results if we could have all genders in one place, right? Like, is the, am I crazy? I don't know. 
I'm, yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. I think, I think having a, a, um, an all gender democracy camp would be great. And I'm sure some of that exists, but American Legion is segregated by gender. So this organization, I don't see that happening. Mm. And because I think neither American Legion or American Legion Auxiliary is interested in providing a space for young people to canoodle on a college campus. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. The campus that I went to for Girls State both times was the same campus I went to for the gifted and talented nerd camp I went to in middle school and high school. And so for me, like I had seen it as a social place where people mix and mingle and there's dances and there's like budding sexuality. And that was not, they didn't want any of that. Even, okay, <laughs> got it. When I was a student at Girl State, I got up to go to the restroom late at night and realized that, gosh, this seat is a little bit slippery. And um, they had, there had been a prank and they had put Vaseline on the toilet seats and all the knobs for water wow. and stuff. And a counselor came in as I was trying to wash my hands and I explained it to her. Cause the one I didn't want her to think I'd done it. Of course. And it was fine. Like I was not injured in any way. My butt was slightly moisturized, right? <laughs> she said, okay, let's clean it up quickly so that no one finds it and it doesn't escalate. Oh, wow. Okay. That has nothing to do with it being people state, but I'm just saying like, this was the kind of let's yes, clean yes. it up, make it pretty under the rug. Let's Oof. not deal with it kind of environment, which was also very much when I was a counselor and I was accused of sneaking out and uh and potentially like having trying to get boys there or something i forget the second part of it but it was because i couldn't sleep and i wanted to talk to my mom or something but it was late and so i i would leave the room because it was like a suite and the other counselor who was like 60 was in there and i didn't want to wake her up so i yes i would leave the room late at night there was also no other time to do things so like i did laundry in the middle of the night I ironed my clothes in the middle of the night because I was doing wake up calls starting at five. And then I was with these students all day. So like, yes, I did my own business. And she was like, you leave at all hours of the night. You're doing this. And I don't know what you're up to. And like brought me in front of the like head of girl state for it oh when I was a counselor. God. Oh my God. So wild. I remember just sitting in that dorm room crying, being like, I'm so sorry. I was just trying to iron my shirt. <laughs> so wild. We didn't see the life of the counselor in, in Boys State today. No, that's, so. that's, that's, that's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And, and just to bounce around, really, the other person uh, want, who I wanted to mention is Robert McDougall. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I actually, like, he might be my favorite character in a sense of not of a human being, but, like, <laughs> I don't know. He, he's comedy, comic. I, I feel bad because he's an actual human being. Right. Who, who is, so I don't want to say that but he's, yeah he's gonna be fine he's gonna be on a bravo show like <laughs> summer house or opera ski or something as a you know entitled guest of someone uh, <laughs> in a couple of years he'll be fine but yeah i mean yeah you had mentioned the that thing of when when someone is truly inspiring you know that can supersede some of our preconceived notions etc and robert's kind of the opposite right he was like <laughs> i'll tell them what they want to hear and then that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Something I'm drawn to with him is that, like, he does, even though he he is admitting he's lying, he's, like, 
militantly pro-life in like in public but then he's like yeah i'm actually pro-choice but i know that wouldn't work which is crazy crazy but right and it's like yeah you go first yeah so that he could see what the other guy said <laughs> but i feel like he still has a good heart right like he sees steven at times and he's actually like i think he's also inspired by him too and he's kind of like it's contradicting of who he wants but then he ends up really really being supportive of him i'm sure the college experience has matured him a bit as it has all these young men in this movie i'm sure and this could be something of the filmmakers as well but sometimes they make him come off as a real dummy you know and i shouldn't feel that bad though because uh, i think it was off air or maybe it was on air where we mentioned like he's like a bitcoin guy like he almost accidentally bought a bitcoin <laughs> yeah bought bitcoin forgot about it and then <laughs> sold at a really high point and now has like secret passages in his house. So yeah, I'm, he's he's gonna be fine. Yeah, I mean, that, I think it, it's funny too. I don't know, is the phrase like an empty shirt something that people still say? But like, he's got charm and charisma. He knows how to manipulate. And yet without that, like something at the core, he was not successful here. So what 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 would that make him be instead i'm trying to think of something you know he's probably not going to be the ceo of something but he's probably going to be the most successful salesperson yeah I, I, but i think you hit the nail on the head too i see this guy on a reality show oh 100 charming yeah. guy he's southern charm he's there yeah yeah um i totally see that and i think he'll he he's already successful because of the bitcoin thing but i think he will be successful he has a lot of packages but and i also think that a lot of people would say oh these are what the politicians are like they're just like airheads but they uh just say what you want to hear and they get elected but this kind of what you're saying this kind of documentary shows you like i think whatever side you're on you need a little bit more than just being like a good looking talking yeah. head someone with more substance is going to get you at some point and i hate saying yeah. it like that because it makes it more like a game but yeah i mean that's just going to happen so we've kind of introduced all the characters it's pointless to go like scene by scene in this because when you pointed at the walking thing, I realized that the big negative in this movie way too long, way too long. And they, they spend time on stuff that's interesting on the first watch to me as not experiencing this world. Hmm. Like that little talent show thing or just like the inner workings. And (laughs) that That was funny to me in the first, but this watch, I'm like, I want to get back to the stories, you know, they could have had a 90 minute cut of this. Again, I get why they're trying to immerse us in this world, but there's a lot of just walking again, for lack of a better yeah, word. I just so uh, much of walking and just small conversation. Yeah, I agree. I was as I was watching, I was like, oh, this could be yes, the same. It could be the same movie and be 90 minutes. I also think there's a way to do this that is more charming and entertaining. And that's with more interviews of students. Mm throughout and more of like the talent show type stuff my guess is they maybe didn't have access like we don't really see them in their rooms a lot do we no that's a good point no so all the things that happen behind the yeah in the rooms i'm sure you know they didn't didn't have access to and that's where kind of that like the fun and the bonding and the pranks and stuff happen so real quick it's not actually that important but it sort of comes back to what I thought I wanted to do versus what I did. And when I was in, you know, girl state proper on my last night, I stayed up all night in an empty room with someone um, 
that I wasn't from my school, not someone I had known before, but someone that I had even just like met at that last day. And, and there was a lot going on in her life. And she had a lot wow. of, a lot of things that, you know, shouldn't have happened and shouldn't have been happening. And like, we talked through a lot of stuff and wow. I don't know, it was this really kind of transformative moment. And I knew that we would probably wouldn't speak again and we probably wouldn't be friends, but I have, I took one picture, like with my last of my little temporary <laughs> camera thing. And the final picture I have is, is with her. And like that, that experience to me was so much more important than who mm -hmm. won as governor. And so I, I think because I've had those experiences, that's what I was missing because I was seeing all the posturing, but I wasn't seeing the humans. Well, let's like, you know, quickly, Stephen wins the primary, right? He ends up mm -hmm. running, but I, but just spoiler alert, guys, uh, Stephen loses that final election to Eddie, as we mentioned, who was probably going to win anyway, which again, I think is a really good point. But there's that nice little moment where he's crying and he's calling his mom and he's like, I'm not yeah, crying. Other I... people are crying. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. That these, these young people were so moved by this kid who, like you said earlier, like on the face of it, they don't have that much in common with. Um, and then we also see a couple moments when other um, students who have been deeply affected by gun violence, which is like they they hinge a lot of this on gun rights and that Stephen, because he went to a, a March for Our Lives and, and that kind of thing, um, they tried to paint him as like super gun scared, which is not, you know, anyway, not his perspective, but then the kind of, I loved, I loved when, I loved when all the boys were crying. It's a great quote of mine. And when those other young men were like, you know, I really do agree with you and thank you for representing that. And yeah, I mean, you just couldn't be prouder of Stephen. For sure. And a lot of those people too went up to him where, oh, Latin American heritage and just being myself of Latin American heritage, that's something that not the it's not the filmmaker's fault but clearly boy state was not accurately representing the texas demographic which texas is 40 percent latin really good point you didn't see 40 percent latin boys there no yeah. i mean no so that just wasn't a thing there so uh for steven to get past that pre prejudice of just being there right like right yeah the first thing we see american legion say to him is are your parents here oh yeah his oh, parents yeah. weren't because his parents were working yeah and like Right. I mean, that's from the moment he was not the cookie cutter of what this organization, you know, I don't know, upholds. I don't, know. I don't yeah. want to be that time. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about the American Legion. Um, I don't know if it's something that's just like institutionalized or something that it is what it is because of it. It's confusing to me, to be honest with you, because I know the American military has a higher demographic of latin american people than the actual percentage of, of the united states and minorities in general yeah. but but you don't really again i don't know enough about the organization but you, so you don't you still don't really see that here which is a little confusing to me yeah american legion is much earlier like i i don't i we can look it up but um but i think it's oh it's only certain years i think so i don't okay. i don't know that you know it's not something that every veteran is part of gotcha gotcha now. Gotcha. Uh, one more, another thing about Steven in that scene. I mean, it's just oh, so yeah. beautiful. And he's trying not to cry, but like he's a human and, and he's calling and his mom, I, I guess I'm assuming he had texted to say that he had lost because mm -hmm. it seemed like she knew. Yeah. But in the conversation where he switches back and forth between English and Spanish with her, 
I, I thought that was such a, a beautiful moment and reminded me of, I think it was on Top Chef, which is embarrassing, that's where it was on. But I heard this great analogy of, there was a particular challenge where two Latin folks were paired together. And so as they were prepping and doing all their things, they were speaking Spanish to each other. And this, um, they then did an interview with the woman and she was like, I just can't tell you, it's like, it's like having to pee all day and then being able to, you know, speak that language with my partner is, is like finally being able to go to the bathroom. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, no one's let me pee all day because I'm speaking English to all of you. And I thought, <laughs> gosh, what a great analogy that everyone has had that experience, right? And to understand like how vital it is to be able to express yourself and, and do it in a way that is comfortable. So I just, that, it made me think of that, that moment and, and I like that. Yeah, and I, I brought it up too because you mentioned the relationships you made at, at Girl State. And ultimately that's what he's saying, right? Like to his mom, he's like, I'm not crying because I lost. I'm crying because so many people are coming up to me and, yeah. you know, congratulating me and, and telling me I did a great job. And like, so ultimately, even to him, it came down to the relationships. I know he was proud of himself, which he should be. But ultimately, the impact he made on other people and other people made on him, that's something that I'm glad they showed. And it made me think, okay, this camp is not all bad, right? It's not all bad like the relationships you make here are great and it was very clear that not every relationship was yes we saw the like-minded people come up to him some of the some of the latin kids some of the kids who were affected by gun violence but we also saw kids who earlier in the movie on that bus had expressed vastly different political opinions to him who right. were then just kind of being like you know what you're awesome like like this is like they were connecting with him and building that relationship, which that's, I think, the positive thing. And, and if we had an American Legion member who's a big proponent of Boy State or Girl State here with us, they might be arguing that, right? Like, no, 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 kids are building relationships. We're bringing people of different backgrounds together and they're discussing things. And and I'm sure there's some of that as well. So I, I don't know. I, I like seeing that cross-section. Yeah, no, agreed. And yeah, and I, I hope that as folks remember that experience, that they remember it in that kind of holistic way and not in a tokeny way. I mean, that's the other part that I worry about mm. is like this kid from, you know, with his underprivileged background was able to do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't wanna. Um, so the American Legion was chartered by Congress in 1919 as a patriotic veterans organization, focusing on service to veterans, service members and communities. So it started with World War One vets. Okay. So there are young people, but I don't know. This is just my interpretation. So this is not, I interacted with a lot of um, folks from our Veterans Resource Center on the campus I worked on most recently. And I don't think, like it just didn't come up a lot, which doesn't mean it's not a thing. It just, my experience there is that the folks involved were of, uh, the majority of them are of an older generation. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So if you are a, a young veteran who is involved in American Legion, Please tweet at me. Tell yep. me I'm wrong. Tweet at us. I will take that. <laughs> or in, in, Instagram us so we can Instagram practice Instagram <laughs> us so we can learn. <laughs> so uh, we've we've talked about a lot of the characters, a lot of our favorite moments and maybe not so favorite moments. Anything else in the film? Um, you know, there were a few moments that really got me because I do get riled up by entitled 
young white men. I'm sorry, I do. And so there was one guy that very early on was like, I got a 35 on the ACT. Well, that means I'm oh. blah, blah. I also got a 35. So calm the fuck down. <laughs> what I want to say to him. And, and I just, the other part that was very different than my experience was the internet that they could look up on Instagram, these people and the way that they used hashtags and things like that, um, which is just another reason I'm glad I'm not a teenager today. For sure. And I would have been more interested in that storyline if it hadn't gotten bombarded by racists, but that's also the story of the internet, right? I mean, it's either, what is the thing? that rule 34 that everything that exists there's a porn version of it yeah like we yeah. got that from the internet and then the uh, like the other universal rule i feel like is everything that exists will devolve into like a racist version of it at some point Oof. or there will be like a racist offshoot of it yeah so yeah those are my other two thoughts the other thing um you kind of reminded me of where eddie white dude shares a lot of the values and views of most of the people there he ends up winning we, sh- we should note that Stephen, again, Latin person, Renee, who's leading the party, I-, I think he's a young black person. That's what he mentions. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of looked him up. He, I think, believe he's also of Pu- Puerto Rican descent, which cool. Oh. And even Ben, who I don't like, we haven't mentioned yet, but um, he he's an amputee. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overcoming in that as well. And the fact that like the governor ends up being like, generic white dude it is inspiring even on the other side that the young people who don't necessarily fit the baseline demographic of this boy state are elected to various positions here so i i once again and maybe i'm talking myself into it but i once again come back to this idea that or the hope that the cream will rise to the top regardless and people will see past generic or like them into something that they believe is almost better than themselves or better than themselves is uh, is a bad way to put it, but just something more inspiring than them. Again, ultimately (laughs) I'll say for the third or fourth time, ultimately the governor ends up being the opposite of what I just said, but we were close. I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, the rosier sort of version of reading of this is that yeah look at all these people who had an opportunity to learn about themselves and about other people in their state and about like the process even in a mock version of it but yes you know we are a culture steeped in white supremacy culture with systems of oppression running the show in every direction so so yeah my hope is the cream rises to the top but when you say that then i feel like the screen of systemic oppression comes down and then that then that's where we get whatever kind of can bypass that. Um, but yeah. I am the fun sucker. So um, that's what I'm here for. And God, I feel like, did I learn something silly at Girl State? I don't think I have like a short, funny anecdote to end on. I wish I did. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have told my prank story so early. <laughs> Well, we have awards and, and questions to answer yeah. anyway, so we'll get to that. Now, of course, once again, slumberers out there, AP listeners, students who care a little bit more. Um, we're not going to go through every award because some awards don't apply. This is clearly not based on a YA novel. Right, so, yes. It's <laughs> so a documentary. We're not going to comment on whose parents are, or, or other children are dead. 
Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I did include some that I, uh, that I didn't think I would because I had okay. strong feelings. But uh, first off, Aislinn, who do you think this movie was made for? Who was this documentary made for? I mean, I sort of think it was made for for us, to for people with that skew liberal that should know what's what's coming up. I think I, as a teenager, would have been interested in it, but I don't know that teenagers broadly would be. And so I think it's people who are interested in either politics or, um, you know, social science people, people in groups. Yeah, I think I think it's for nerdy adults. What do yeah. You think? Oh, I agree with you. And I'm glad you said there. It, you cannot in good conscience say that this is a documentary that's 100 percent down the middle Nothing is. I, that was the other thing I wanted to say. They get caught up on this whole bias thing. We're humans. I'm so tired of that. There's no such thing as unbiased. Even like the best investigative journalist, blah, 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 blah. They choose what they're going to write about. They choose the words they use. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's no such thing in my humble opinion as unbiased. And so I use the term hands off but they also edited together the story they wanted to tell. And, and that story definitely in, in my viewing of it made Steven and Renee people who overcame adversity. And then we didn't see that from Eddie in the same way. We didn't, while, while, you know, Ben did absolutely. And we get a little bit at the beginning, that's not the story they tell with him. So I, I don't fault it for having a, a perspective because we all do. And, and like all art does. You know, for sure, for sure. So, so I think they kind of made this for. I see it almost like a like the New Yorker crowd or like yeah. like the magazine. You know, it's clearly the Sundance crowd. Yeah, yeah, the Sundance, but the, the Sundance crowd is a thing. You know, people who in, in, enjoy stuff like that, intellectuals to a level. You know what I mean? I, I could see conservative people watching this and not being happy with how things are portrayed here. Yeah. To be honest with you, uh, Eddie, who I don't agree with most of what he says, is probably someone, and he wins Boy State, so uh, you know I, I think it validates it. But it's probably someone who, in theory, could curry favor with maybe someone on the fence politically, right? Like, sure. He he seems actually a little bit more uh, pragmatic and even more genuine at times than Ben, who is just in it to win it, you know? You sometimes see Eddie, like, there's so, certain reactions in the background, Eddie's reaction to Stephen, and he actually seems like he respects him. Mm-hmm. I don't care who the candidate would have been who opposed Ben, but he would have found any means necessary to take him down, even if he believed 100% of what he said. So right. I could see a theoretically conservative person or even someone who just leans right, who would be like, you know, why didn't they focus on someone like Eddie Hmm. Rather and and focus on Ben, who look. Unfortunately, there are people in this world who admire the Bens of the world, but I think the most people who watch this see him as, for lack of a better word, the bad guy. You sure. know. So yeah, I do think it has a left wing skew, and that's who they made it for. Most likely to succeed for you. Which character won the movie? I mean, it's it's clearly Stephen or Renee. I'm gonna go Renee. Nice. For you got the scholarship. One. Got a scholarship. The way that he, and this is not saying Stephen didn't do this, but I'm just, this is what, for me, like the way that he knew who he was 
and and was himself at all times in this sea of people pleasers, I think um, really resonated with me. If you want to say that Robert would be good on a reality show, Renee would dominate a reality show. So, so <laughs> good for Renee. I, I like that choice. I said Stephen, but I think I think it's a coin toss. There are our winners here for most likely to succeed. All right, Wooderson Award. Is there? Uh, I don't want to say character, but is there w- one of the kids who you would have liked a little bit more focus on? I would have liked more in the way that they showed a little bit more of the, like the talent show, I would have just liked a little bit of kind of individual attention on a couple members of the band. Oh, no, of course, of course. <laughs> that's, that's the band nerd in me. So I said, I would have liked to have seen more of the characters who we see end up really being the support staff of Steven. Um, they kind of pop out of the blue here or there. I would have liked to know like, you know, almost why they were supporting him. What was drawing uh, them into him? Um, we... Towards the end, you see he has this, like, entourage, and they're all, like, you know, uh, disciples, for for lack of a better word. Yeah, so that's what I said. Just a little bit more focus on them would have been nice. All right, kind of of a weird question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Long Duck Dong Award, is there any character whose omission would make the film better? And I want to add the caveat. It doesn't have to be a character here. Is there anything you would, and we kind of talked a little bit about this, but is there anything you would cut out of the film? Yes, all all the walking. (laughs) <laughs> and like the behind, yeah. being behind people's shoulders that was there was there was far too much far too much for a um motion sensitive person and yet it did capture i thought the experience well so i can see but but i think it would have been a, a better film if they cut out about half of that i am so not well that sounds so weird but like i i'm not conscious of the motion sensitiveness usually so i like i want to give you warnings but i would have never again thought that this was a movie that would qualify there are some great movies that i really want us to watch that are on this list and i'm like oh okay i definitely have to give eyes on a warning for this one i gotta take a little dramy yeah a couple i'm thinking particularly which were critically acclaimed and considered very good that i'm like that is a shaky movie so but for instance captain phillips is not the movie for me uh, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Gravity, not the movie for me. <laughs> um, Blair Witch, not scary because I was motion sick. Well, uh, I mean, hopefully you can. Uh, if the drama meme works, great. If you have to tag out, I understand. Um, no, we'll, I'll do it. I'll persevere. Oh, this is oh, AP. Very true. Very true. Um, so, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Make it tighter. We didn't need all that. Uh Extra credit assignment, AP exclusive question. If you could recommend a classic teen movie to a character or, or person in this case in the film, what film would you recommend and who would it be to? Who would you recommend the film to? I would like all five of our kind of named players, right? There's about five of them, but a handful of them, um, to watch Election. Oh. And then I want to hear what they have to say about it. That was literally my answer. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, no, that's great. That's great. We were on the same page. I'm like, you know what? I was like, everyone here needs to watch elections. So I'm glad we thought that. I 100% agree. I want to see Ben's reaction more than anyone. But yeah, they all need to watch it. Um, <laughs> great, great. Okay, the moment of truth. The report card. So we both have the manila card in our hands. We have the red, red pen. On the high school slumber party, we graded with an A plus to F grading scale. 
Just for our cheat sheet, if you will, I already mentioned the movie was critically acclaimed. 94% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. 90% by the audience. A 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which we know is high. But Island, I'm guessing that you're going to get lower than all those scores. So what will you grade, Boy State? You know, we've talked a lot about majorities and minorities in this episode. I am clearly in the minority here. Like I said at the beginning, I think both in the filmmaking, like kind of logistically, you know, um, as well as the, the story that they chose to tell, um, I felt like both lacked charm. And so I'm giving it a C. C, wow, wow. Well, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm still going to give it, I think I'm going to, I was teetering on B plus, A minus, but I'm going to give it the A minus. And this is an A minus movie that I will never watch again because it <laughs> scares the hell out of me. I'm sorry, this movie still scares me. I noticed the technical aspects more this time that I wasn't in agreement with. I felt the length more on this watch than I had that first time. So I, I'm with you. It's definitely not a perfect movie, technical technically or technical wise. I don't know. Um, neither is my language, but still, still it affected me again. Sure. Still, it's something that I'm left thinking about in both positives and maybe more negative ways that I'm trying not to think about. So <laughs> if it affected me that much, that's why I'm giving it the A minus because absolutely. Yeah. I've had students like that in class. We're like, yeah, you get the A and I'm so glad I never have to talk to you. Again. <laughs> oh man. And I hope you're all listening. <laughs> I was a little perplexed by this next question, but I said, why not? Let's do it. If you and I, Aislinn, were at our AP slumber party, we're cramming in our study session, and we have our sleeping bags, our Boy State-themed sleeping bags. What does your sleeping bag look like, Aislinn? My sleeping bag would be Hamilton-themed because especially with like this, we, we talked about the kind of disparity between the um, uh, makeup of the state and the makeup of the participants in Boy's state. I, I was really delighted by the retelling of that era in American history featuring so many people of color. And so that's, I was, I was debating, I was like, well, we could do one of like the Bill of Rights. But I think I just want to like put it in all their faces of like your reality is not the only one. And there are many ways to, I don't know, tell a story. I don't know. That's just what came to mind. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. It kind of inspired inspired me to change my sleeping bag a little oh, bit. Oh, gosh. Okay. What was yours? Now I'm going to do something. I was going to do like a Texas theme, but two, two, you know, baseline, whatever. I want to do, it's going to be a very historical sleeping bag. It's going to have a lot of history and pictures about specifically the uh, Mexican and Latin history of Texas. People forget that uh, a good percentage of this country was part of Mexico and Spain before. People, certain people complain that people are coming over the borders or they weren't meant to be here when they were here first. I believe that Stephen's from Houston, and Houston has a uh, you know Latin population that predates the white population in that city. Not everyone, obviously, but I think 
more people should be aware of that. So when you see the Texas demographic here and what I said, and by the way, uh, the Latin vote is not a monolith. When I say 40% of, of, of uh, Texans have some kind of Latin heritage, that doesn't mean they're all liberal people as some people would think, right? There's some very, very conservative Latin people, especially in Texas, of course. Uh, but uh, on the same token, we did not see that demographic here. And I think both the people at Boise State and uh, everyone needs to understand that you cannot tell the history of Texas and the United States without telling the history of uh, Latin American people, and specifically in that state, uh, Mexican-American people. I love it. Yes. Favorite question every week. Rent two movies, get one free. We are at the magical, magical, magical blockbuster. And as I've been saying on all my podcasts, I was recently at the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. So very in the blockbuster mood these days. But um, you and I are at the last blockbuster to ever exist. We know for our AP slumber party, we were watching Boy State. But we see a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. And I say, Islin, pick two movies. I'll pick two movies. We're going to make this a double, triple feature. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, what two movies would you watch alongside Boy State on our slumber party? I'm going to stay American politics with it and go for a couple of different tones, but both of which I find highly enjoyable. Because there's so much in this that, you know, I, I agree with you that is um, kind of frightening to see. I mean, I could go the social science way and like have the Stanford prison experiment, but I'm not I'm going the politics way. And we're going to also rent Dick. Nice. Oh, high school movie, too. There you go. And the American president. Nice. Nice. I like that. The American record. president and American president. That was the American president. Okay. I was right the first time. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess I haven't read a lot recently, but you know, in the, in the early and mid aughts, I was a, I was a big Aaron Sorkin apologist. <laughs> I, lo- I love me some West Wing, et cetera. And, and it's fun to see the, um, you know, some of the seeds that flower in West Wing in the American president. Awesome. Love those picks. I'm going political as well. First one I'm going to say is uh, The War Room, the famous documentary of uh, the Clinton election, the 92 Clinton election, the behind the scenes. Um, It really focuses on a lot of these, we'll say compromises and deals to get that president elected. Um, It it reminded me a lot of the backroom stuff that was happening. And that's not always a negative thing, right? Like if you want to get your candidate elected, you want to get your candidate elected. But it's a stuff of politics that I don't necessarily always like, but it is a good documentary. Of course, uh, James Carville, um, George Stephanopoulos. George. (laughs) That's a documentary, but we're going to go narrative with the next one. And that is The Ides of March, the George Clooney, Philip Summer Hoffman film that I've covered a lot on my other other, other podcast, uh, P.S. I Love Hoffman. And that really tells the story of, again, more backroom deals and politicking, if you will. And it just made me think of that. That's the Ryan Gosling and yes. um, Evan Rachel Wood, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, and George Clooney and Felicity were often, but I just wanted to make sure I had the <laughs> correct one. Because when you said George Clooney, what popped into my mind was Men Who Stare at Goats. And I knew that <laughs> was it. No, Clooney's actually the director. That's why I mentioned him first. But he's also gotcha. in okay. the movie. Yeah, but Gosling is the star. Nice little baby goss here. <laughs> All right, Island. I mentioned that I was not going to assign uh, The Kissing Booth 2 
Give and I little, was relieved. <laughs> give you a little break from that. So at this point, it's been great with the homework thing. I'm, I'm so happy that, that you've caught up and we could have, you know, conversations. So like if, bring, if I bring a movie up, you know what it is. So now I'm kind of going down the list of other movies we've covered that were topical of the last three years that uh, you probably haven't seen. And I've talked about, and I'm very curious what you think about this one, but we t- I've talked about this one a couple times here or there, just dropped the name of it. Um, the film is called Words on Bathroom Walls. Yeah. Uh, so if you can please just check that out, and whenever you do, we'll talk about it here. Would love to. That is your uh, homework. Um, interesting movie. I talked about it with my good friend Kyle Reinfried because uh, the character is a chef. So, and he does foodie films, so we thought it was appropriate there. Perfect. It deals with a particular type of mental illness that, um, well, I'm not going to get into too much. So, uh, curious your thoughts of when you see it. So, that is the assignment, words on bathroom walls. And if you're just an AP listener, and you're not an OG high school slumber party listener, and you want to catch up as well, watch words on bathroom walls, listen to the episode with me and Kyle, and let us know what you think of it as well. And that's Boy State. We did it. We, we, we made it. We did it. Um, I'm so happy that I know we had, uh, you know, differing grades on the movie, but I feel like we that landed. good, I think. Yeah. I, I love it, too. And I feel like it promoted a lot of awesome dialogue. And I hope uh, I hope you slumbers out there, uh, you know, have strong opinions on this film. And please share them with us again on social media. We want to hear it. Again, specifically on Instagram. We, <laughs> we want to interact with you there. But wherever you want to... Uh, Shout us out at. Um, so what's going on with you, Aislinn? What's up with Contenders? Uh- yeah, um, Contenders is is having fun as always. We just recently dropped an episode on the newest iteration of Emma. This is Emma with a period. The um, Anya Taylor-Joy version of Emma. And it was really fun to talk about. And then uh, to couple that with a another teen classic um we're gonna cover clueless after that nice nice tobin and i both have a long history with clueless spoiler alert i accidentally have it memorized and <laughs> that's been tested multiple times and it, <laughs> it's not on purpose it's just because it came it hit at the right moment and so if you want to hear us um talk about brand new emma or 90s beverly hills adaptation of Emma in the form of Clueless, um, check out Contenders. Well, that makes perfect sense. And you know, Clueless is really up our alley here on a high school slumber party. So I'll definitely be listening, but I hope slumbers out there will listen as well because that sounds awesome. Of course, follow High School Slumber Party. Follow uh, Aislinn. What, what are your names again? I'm at SassyNerdMT on Twitter and at Aislinn.Ruth on Instagram. I am still learning. Be patient with me. And uh, there's more information about all of the podcasts at cageclub.me. Well, to the next AP episode, looking forward to it, Iceland. Me too. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas, the prairie sky is wide and high. Deep in the heart of Texas, the coyotes wail along the trail. Deep in the heart of Texas, the rabbits rush around the brush. Deep in the heart of Texas.
Hey Slumbers, hope you enjoyed that episode on Boy State, that AAP episode with Aislin and I. Can't wait to chat with Aislin again, but this Friday we have some regular High School Slumber Party work to do. Actually, it's another reunion episode as we chat a bunch of high school reunion movies for our senior year. And we're staying in the state spectrum, but we're going from the good old south to the northeast, the state of my high school experience. We are talking Garden State. What are you doing here? Uh, that's my mom. I recognize you from TV. Didn't you play the retired quarterback? Yeah. Are you really retarded? No. I thought you killed yourself. What? That wasn't you? No, no, that, that wasn't me. opportunity to do something that no one has ever done before and that no one will copy again throughout human existence and and if nothing else you'll be remembered as, as the one guy who ever did this this one thing oh i've done that one before <laughs> In your life, you realize the house you grew up in isn't really your home anymore. That idea of home is gone. Maybe that's all family really is. A group of people that miss the same imaginary place. If I told you a secret, you won't tell somewhere you hold it and keep it alive. My mom always says that when she can see I'm like working something out in my head. She's like, you're in it right now. And I'm looking at you, and you're definitely in it right now. I think you're right, I am it. But I like you. Apologies for that hard R in the trailer. That was uncalled for. But I don't apologize for the use of a Postal Service song in that trailer. That checks out, despite not being on the excellent Garden State soundtrack. So that's your homework. Watch Garden State. Our guests will be Cara Gale O'Regan and John Brooks of the Hard to Believe podcast, making his high school slumber party debut. One more thing before I let you guys go. Remember that life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.
still here? It's over. Go home. Go.